The Society of Illustrators and Museum of Illustration is an international organization with artists and members from continents across the earth. In our work, we honor the belief that art and culture crosses borders and that curiosity and perspective, rather than fear and divisiveness, are the key to meaningful and successful cross-cultural dialogue and a greater understanding between people. We stand with all those in our family who have been affected by recent events on the world stage and look toward the day when all artists are free to live and work wherever they feel at home in our global village. Welcome to the Society of Illustrators New Visions podcast. With New Visions, we like to talk about a whole host of topics including diversity, inclusion, and illustration's role in the larger cultural context. New Visions is led by me, Jonathan Bartlett, and includes Jensen Ekwal, John Lee, Yao Xiao, and Chris Kindred. You know, that message that I read every single episode really puts into perspective the ethos of the Society of Illustrators. It's an organization that without a doubt started as a men's social club, but is and has been for a very a long time now an education organization, which is how I actually recently heard it described uh, by, you know, by president, by Tim O'Brien. I thought it was really, really on point. Yeah, it provides opportunities to the contemporary illustrator and illustration community uh, for career, career-wise, but all, you know, almost more so is its dedication to spreading spreading goodwill through through illustration. <clears throat> That's what takes the front seat. You know, take this podcast, for example. You know what New Vision's goal is, to offer everything we can to make a positive change in the industry by leveling the playing field for all of you. So with that said, the Society of Illustrators is a 501c3 nonprofit arts organization, and it relies on donations and membership fees um, to offer those, these, these educational events, the programming, this podcast, and, and of course the exhibitions year round. So, you know, I don't typically do this, but it being around the holidays and all, I just, I think it's time to say, like, if you're listening, becoming a member or even just donating a little bit of money to the organization is a way to, to help out, to do a part, you know, play a role in changing the game for others to help us spread the goodwill the education, and to kind of use your craft in ways that reach the broader community. I'm sure you're all doing it in your own ways already, but this is a different option. For, for newer illustrators or even students, just to point out, the membership rate is pretty small. I know it's still an expense. Believe me, I get it. But uh, if you can, you know, I hope it's something you would consider. So what is this all about today? Um, well, actually, actually, it's, uh, it's, this is a rare appearance for me. Um, if you've been listening to this at all, you know, I'm not typically on here doing much talking. It's because we want to give space to everybody else. But, um, but you know, this year marks my 10th anniversary as an illustrator. And for a lot of those, I would, I've been teaching as well. And most of my teaching incorporates or is specifically focused on the business side of things. So with the new year right around the corner, um, it's a great time to step back and reflect on business, assess things, 
you know, make new goals, all those, that kind of stuff. I do it every year. You know, I'm sure you probably are. And so in the spirit of that, I thought I'd get on here and offer my best insights collected over the years that I, that I hope will be helpful or at least inspire some new thoughts for you. Think of it as the stuff your teachers never told you, perhaps. Now, hopefully they did tell you all of it. I'm not disparaging teachers, myself being one, but, but you get the point. I don't claim any of this as, as unique and brilliant or my own individual thoughts. I mean, I've just been a student since I was in school. You know, I've listened, I, I collect over the years. So that really this is a, a shout out to all of my mentors, all of the, the random places I've found advice, um, teachers, whoever, business magazine articles, like gosh knows what. And so again, you know, these aren't rules. I'm not telling you the right way versus the wrong way. I just simply want to try to share as much as I have that has helped me get the, um, I'd say, be successful for this long. And if it works for you, that's awesome. If it doesn't, that's fine. But, uh, but yeah, I'm going to start with just a basic, kind of a basic overview situation. And then I'm going to break this down into three topics, basically. Uh, wait, where's my notes? Okay. So three, three, three sections. What are you selling? How are you selling it? And who are you selling it to? What I'm thinking is we'll put timestamps in the, in the notes of the podcast that can give you the ability just to jump to each of these sections. That way you don't have to listen to me ramble necessarily for like a half hour just to get to the one nugget of info you want. All right. But first, let's, let's just start with some basics. Uh, in my experience, running an effective business requires consistency, marketing strategy, organization skills, accountability, and wait for it, money. Everything tends to come back to these things. Consistency. Make life easy for your client. When they look at your work, they should know exactly what they will get. They should feel like they can trust you immediately. So this typically brings up that conversation about, oh, what about multiple styles? I have all these different ways of working. There's nothing wrong with that. And we'll get more into the nuances of it, but just organize it. Make it simple to navigate or to understand this versus that, you know, those types of things. All right, marketing skills. You need words to sell pictures. Communicating with people is a skill. And the, the, the good news is that because it's a skill, you can learn it. You can become better at it. So even if you hate people, you can do this. Organization skills. Life is one big set of deadlines, right? We all know that. When do I need to be somewhere? When is the rent due? What day is my birthday? The difference is stakes are a little bit higher with business because a missed deadline equals no money. So developing that ability to keep track, not just of deadlines, but the important part here is keeping track of your priorities. That's really important. Accountability, take responsibility for what happens within your business. It's pretty straightforward. Be agile and plan for the unexpected. Now money. I know it's very hard to make money if you don't have any to spend. It's true. Um, but, and hear me loud and clear, please. There is nothing wrong with having a job that is not your illustration job while you try to build your business so you can live a life. There's nothing wrong with that. Be persistent, save, work, and you'll get there, right? It's okay. 
All right. So with that out of the way, let's, let's get, let's get more specific. Like I said, so we got three sections. Like I'm going to repeat it one more time. What we're selling, how you're selling it and who are you selling it to? The first step is knowing what you are selling. You, you are selling you. Now that's not to say everything you do is going to be oozing with your deepest emotions, but inevitably, if you allow your experiences and your interests to guide you, the needle will move, likely move closer in your favor, right? So um, Oscar Wilde says, here's a quote for you. <laughs> Oscar Wilde says, be yourself because everyone else is already taken. And that's good. I think, it, I think it's, it's relatable, right? This goes for how you would conduct your business and what markets you approach and especially what your portfolio looks like. So just try things. Figuring out your career path in the abstract is a huge mistake. And in the, it, it's, simil, it's the same thing as you would approach drawing a picture. If you just sit and stare at a blank piece of paper hoping an idea will come to you, it's probably not going to be very good. But uh, if you take that piece of paper, you go experience things, you read a book, you watch movies, you converse with friends, you experience moments, you will have a much more uh, inspiration or information to kind of pull from, right? Your career is the exact same. So you can sit there and, and set some goals and think about your plans. Yeah, that's great. But at a certain point, you just have to go try it try things. The more you try, the more information you will have. And um, with time, your passions will reveal themselves and your focus will get honed, right? So just remember, there's no finish line in sight. Continuously develop your work and be open to evolve and change. Make personal work a priority when you can. And then the last, well, and not the last, we've got a lot to talk about actually. Uh, another thing is to get to know your limits. You know, common wisdom is to you know, push, 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 stay up all night, don't sleep, live on little money, suffer, you know, bust your ass as hard as you can, and it's like all a struggle. But I'm telling you, it does not have to be like this. You, yeah, you should push yourself and you should test your stamina, but it's all with instead of just going, you should be learning, learning your limits. Because personal health is more important than anything, so find those limits. Know where you have to draw the line and respect yourself for that. I like to say, be kind to yourself. Uh, you know, some it's getting to know ourselves is kind of like what a weird thing just to say, like, oh yeah, just go figure yourself out. Um, and but then at the same time, it's weird to say, well, how can I literally take steps to figure myself out? It seems a little uh, scientific. But anyway, really, it's just about asking yourself questions and and. Right. So here the few questions that I would suggest are, do you work better with guidance or with freedom? Describe the harshest critique you ever received. You might say, why is he asking me that? Well, because <laughs> revenge is highly motivating. <laughs> it's true. This is all about being honest, right? Uh, okay. Make a list of 20 things you like to draw. So I guess the question is, what are the, what's a list of 20 things you like to draw? What four adjectives would you use to describe yourself? What four adjectives would you use to describe your artwork? What markets do you see yourself working in? What other artists, you know, maybe two or three other artists best represent what your idea of a career looks like and why? What are your dream projects? And then 
in three sentences or less, describe your portfolio as if you were speaking to a non-industry person. That's a big one. Because like I said in the beginning, words, words are so important. If you cannot talk about this stuff, it's going to be a lot harder to sell it and to define it. All right, so figuring out your lane, your target, short-term or long-term is good. And knowing your product will give you the confidence to sell it. Trust me, conviction goes a long way, right? That's why they always say some, somebody who's a really bad artist can make a lot of money and a, and a really great artist can make no money. And it's because of conviction and the ability to sell it. And sort of one last note about that, the, um, <clears throat> the just go out and try things. You, you have to, or I find it really helpful to not be afraid of the word no, right? No does not hurt you. No cannot hurt you. If you tell yourself no doesn't hurt me, you're gonna, you will take a lot of pressure off yourself. So considering that, um, maybe it's time to now move on to how to sell the product. All right, well, there's a couple of stages and um, Let's see, there's, there's a couple of sections to this, I guess. So let's just start with portfolio stuff. Get your work out there, right? Again, just do it. I know, that's like the most basic advice. You're like, no shit, Jonathan, I know this already. But just share it. <clears throat> that's the first and best way to market something. Show it off. It's on you to position yourself with respect to the marketplace you're targeting, but show it. Consider the pros and cons of whether you should be playing it safe, or surprising a potential client with something new. Um, anyway, here's some good starting points. Are the people that that you're 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 aiming for do they have broad needs or do they fit a very specific niche? Don't assume that anything will grab an art director's eye in a positive way simply because it's been published. Make use of that website. I know now it, it almost seems outdated in a way with social media and and everything. But but now seriously, websites are still crucial because your social media is going to play the role of sort of the intro but um, as you dive deeper in and you've got more substantial clients with numerous people involved in the decision making they're going to need something to 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 ground you right so do that website let your images um, excuse me let your image presentation be the number one thing dictating the website's design let that work speak for itself and actually update it a website that's not updated often is is almost worse than not having one because no matter how awesome your portfolio is for all your you know the visitor knows that you you know you haven't made a new piece of art in five years maybe you're literally out of business uh, this is for this the potential super new people i'm just going to leave it in here don't use a free domain please nothing says i'm not professional like www.jonathanbartlett.freesite.com and then this last bit um, I like to say is consider how you categorize your stuff. All right. I never, and I know this is highly controversial, so please, this is just an opinion and it's not a rule and it's nothing other than that. But I never, I, I, I don't really understand why people or the benefit to having a personal work section versus, say, a client work section. Personal, quote unquote, to me is a keyword that doesn't necessarily give me anything. You know, what does it mean? Like, yeah, I know it's for you, but what does that mean I'm going to find? Like that you wouldn't treat me the same 
Like you won't treat the client the same as you would if it was just for you. It, it, it brings up more questions than it does answers, I guess. And so from a business perspective, breaking it up no matter what is only going to put a wall between the client and the work. So it's really important or it's good to be very deliberate. So if, for example, you do a lot of portraits, it's a very easy example, you could have a portrait page. That's a keyword that means something to a person, right? They know exactly what that means. They come to your website. I need a person that does portraits. Oh, there's portraits. Done. So basically use, use keywords that actually apply. I don't know. Things like band posters, portraits, narrative, things like that. So my suggestions for breaking things up are if you have an abundance of work for, make, for different markets, comics or editorial, for example, and those things deserve different headings. If you have an abundance of work in multiple styles, brush and ink, vector, you get the deal. And also, here's like a, the deep cut is, you know, don't be afraid to double up. If like, let's say you have book covers and editorial and you separate them or you at least have a, a heading for each of them. It's okay to have a collection of that stuff that kind of bleed together because, again, it's almost like a, it's almost like you're siphoning a search term for people. Um, and different people are going to different sections, so you might as well have some cross-pollination. All right, so let's talk strategy. Getting from A to B, from promotion to hired. When you're going for work, I encourage you to be specific, to not blindly submit your portfolio to any company that might possibly look at it. Because remember, you're making your art director's life easy, uh, or you should be making your art director's life easy. You also want to make your own life easy. If you're submitting that just anywhere, anyhow, any way, you don't really know what you're going to get or, or kind of like if the work is going to keep you on your path to your own goals. And it's okay to have your own goals that you're aiming for, right? Like that's the whole deal. Um, so make everybody's life easy, including your own. Show you know the, the I'll say, genre that you're, that you're promoting to and that you um, the more you can demonstrate that you understand that the the client's needs in your work is the better okay now yeah there's certain places that are a lot more broad than others so let's say you're doing sci-fi book covers that's pretty specific if you're promoting editorial you have a, a a broader portfolio is totally fine so there's some leeway in both directions but the rules or the the advice is the same and the way i see it there's two options when when looking at this you can either fit your work to the markets you want to work in or you find the markets your work does fit in. You know, like you can, your portfolio or your work can be anything you want it. I guarantee there is somewhere out there that it fits and that will, you can make a living or get paid for. It's if, if it's that far off or far out there, it's up to you to find it, but there's always a place for it. You just have to be honest and realistic about it. So those are your choices. Fit it to the, port, to, the, to the market you want or change your work to fit the market you want. All right, so despite this digital world we are living in today, putting physical copies of your work in front of someone continues to be an effective way of promoting yourself. Do not sleep on the physical mailers, I'm telling you. Most people you're sending to will likely look at them, even if it's for a brief second before being thrown in the trash. They'll probably see it, and that's what you want. So what do you send? Uh, anything. The possibilities are endless. Uh, I've heard clients receive postcards, calendars, annuals, directories, pop-ups, magnets, tiny business cards, bookmarks, buttons, stickers, 
geez, wrapping paper, I don't even know, but anything. Whatever you think conveys your strengths in the clearest and most professional manner. That's the key. If this means humor, then go for it. If this means dark, go for it. It's fine. But remember, you're allowed to have a personality, right? That's the whole deal. So no amount of fancy packaging will mask poorly conceived or executed art. Let's not, let's not twist that. Um, and show the people the thing you want to be hired to do. Do you like posters? Send one. Pattern designs? Send a collection of fabric samples, maybe. But yeah, let's uh, let's. I want to take this time to to call out to give a shout out to the mighty postcard. By and far the most popular form of physical promotion. They're cheap, they're high high quality, and they take up very little space. So my tip is to print two, both double sided, and mail them in a clear envelope. That's four images in one mailer. Uh, it's a mini portfolio, and the envelope doesn't hide the art. That's what's cool. Um, Nothing is precious, right? So keep that in mind when you're conceptualizing. Can you make it memorable and cost-effective? And on that note, design everything. You're an illustrator promoting your work to creative people. So show them you are creative and not just a picture maker. All right. Let's talk about emailing. Because I bet a lot of you suck at this. And that is not a call out because we all suck at it or did or do I don't know I was really bad at it too upon reflecting lately I thought I was good and I wasn't um for like nine years and only recently do I feel like I'm taking real steps to becoming more effective at it so here's some tips writing an effective subject line goes a long way an email in its subject line is simply saying hello pay attention to me if you're not intriguing the reader, if you're not giving them something they need, right? Um, something they need to get to, targeting an emotion, uh, sharing a delight or a pain, then your subject line is going to fall flat. So create curiosity and try to be topical. Boring and obvious subject line would be illustration update, new work, Jonathan Bartlett. Probably the same subject they get like over and over again, right? All right, so let's do this again with building curiosity and personality. Subject line, dessert for lunch, new illustration eye candy. Look, I'm not telling you this is genius stuff, but it, it, it checks the boxes and creates intrigue. And you open yourself up to continue that narrative in the body of the email, accomplishing the holy grail of mass emailing. Making someone think it's a personal conversation. Dessert for lunch, new illustration eye candy. All right, into the body of the email. Hi, art director. Okay, okay, no actual candy, but I'm excited to share these new illustrations that I think you'll like. It'd be a pleasure to work together soon. Thanks for taking the time. Sincerely, Jonathan. Not for nothing. I personally have seen a higher rate of reply when I've applied this approach to my own email campaigns. You know, it might not be job responses, but friendly thank yous or the simple, hey, looks good something a connection anything which is absolutely a win um i've actually seen more jobs job offers come to me literally in the reply like as a reply to those emails instead of an independent email which to me says they're holding on to them or they're more effective whatever it is they're not just being deleted right do what i did um if you're looking for more info and study the customer.io blog that's the website www.customer.io 
Uh, they have a really, it's a, it's an email marketing company and shout out to our very own Kate Firetag because her husband runs this company is the CEO and owner. It's really great. And if you pick through it, it's not for artists and illustrators, but if you pick through it, you will find information that you can apply to yourself. So those are the things that, that you, if you piece together can help put, you know, form a strategy for yourself, right? <clears throat> So you know what you sh to do, but now you've got to make a plan for it. This is the accountability part from the beginning, right? Having a plan is more important than designing your promo, selecting the art, right artwork, or being the world's greatest email crafter. It's consistency in planning. One piece of mail does not get you hired. An email doesn't get you hired either. Two pieces of email or mail doesn't get you hired. Three, four, five might not get you hired. Probably won't. And you get the point. The deal is make a plan and stick to it. So once the snowball is rolling, you don't want it to stop. What I have found to be effective is to send something every two to four months, you know, considering time of year and all that. Update your contact list before sending. And a good way to do that is to send your emails first. Because it's an easy way to find out if people have uh, have left the job, or if the ad well not necessarily if the address has changed, but if, if people have left their jobs. So it'll help you save money on the physical mailers. You send an email, you get all these bounce backs. You go, you do your research, you figure out where those people are and who replaced them, right? So you take one contact. Theoretically, now it's become two, which is another cool thing. Somebody had a job, they left, they got a new job, and somebody filled their spot. So one became two. Very cool. Um, anyway, do that. Send those emails. Clean it up. Feel confident with your list. And then send out the mailers, reducing your waste of cash on postage that gets returned and so on and so forth. Yeah, okay. So and, and on the, uh, speaking of all this, planning and all that, the whole it's going to take you a while. Don't take no replies as insults either. Or to mean that they haven't seen what you sent. Send some, send an image or whatever it is once and move on. Send the next one and just keep up with it. Until someone tells you to leave them alone, you have the right to continue to promote to them. Stick to the plan. And remember, there is absolutely no finish line in sight. This is forever. So now people want to hire you. What do you do? This is where knowing your limits comes in handy. And yes, it will take time to figure it out for yourself. So be nice. Be patient. Uh, my personal strategy is to literally visualize a three-week window of time and list everything out, like literally on paper. I do it. I do it analog. You maybe you're digital. That's fine. Um, but everything: sketch deadlines, final deadlines, other life obligations, weekends that I'm hoping to not work. Um, and so, what falls in between those things? Is it enough days to complete a job? Time and time again, literally writing stuff down has helped me to do more work than I think I could if I'm just sitting there trying to organize time in my head. And so that leads to a greater income. So that's organizing. Now let's talk negotiating. Negotiating money is an art form in itself, and nothing but time and practice is going to make you better at it. So that's okay. The ability to negotiate is crucial to protecting yourself and your income. As your careers expand, you will develop these skills. But for starters, here's a few things to get comfortable with. Clients don't choose the best option. They choose the least risky option. So position yourself as an artist that can reduce their risk. 
You can do so by becoming familiar with their agenda and acting on it, which, how do you do that? Just ask questions. That's maybe another thing. Like, I would say this is a thing. I have, a, you know, students that say, is it all right if I ask these questions? Is it all right if, I'm, if I don't know and I ask? Hell yeah, it's all right if you ask. Ask as many questions as you want. That'll make, if, you know, honestly, that'll make an art director feel, I don't know, good. Because they, cause they, can, they now know you're engaged. You know what I'm saying? And when you get the answers to those questions, you reassure, right? So you repeat the answers back to them, and then you offer your insights. So ask questions, repeat back their information. And when it comes to the actual money, the key is to make the client feel comfortable with what they are spending. If they know why you're asking for the amount of money, they will be quicker to spend it. So as best you can, break things down for the client. Don't try not to just say, oh, your job? Yeah, 2,000 bucks. You know, ease them into it. Well, for $2,000, I would be happy to do three sketches with one round of changes and then a final and then some minor tweaks to the final if necessary. You know, let them feel like they're gaining from it. Now, don't put a time value on this. Take, for example, two illustrators both told to do the, or asked to do the same job. I can do it in two hours. You can do it. Here it takes you 12 hours. And if we assign the, the price value to how quickly we get something done, I'm now going to make less money, way less money than you. And so I get punished because I'm quicker, more efficient. That's not how it should work. That's, that will hamper, completely um, hamper your business. So avoid that. It's not about how long it takes. It's about what you're providing them in the end. doesn't matter how you get to it. That's you. And if they start getting into that conversation with you, try to talk them out of it. Work them through that. But don't start the conversation with it. I know talking about money can be uncomfortable. We're artists. And with, with being an artist comes that feeling that, that money and, and art shouldn't mix because it's like, it's like selling out or something. But unfortunately, thinking this way will only hurt you. Face your fears and just get into it with the client. If that's, you know... Um, if you, if it's something you're afraid of or uncomfortable with, I would say just bring it up right away, just straight off the bat. I would love to have this conversation. What budget, you know, what budget did you have in mind? Things, you know, it's okay. If you take the proactive approach as opposed to the reactive, um, using the law of contrast can really, uh, go a long way to kind of pinning your client down. And what do I mean by that? So put a range out there, say, I typically earn between a thousand and four thousand dollars for the job like this. Does that does your budget fall within these these numbers? So you're on the offensive, and more often than not, they will not back out. They will find a number in the middle. You would have been comfortable with a thousand. You were hoping for four, and chances are they'll immediately be like, "Yeah, we can do twenty-five hundred." But anyway, there are, there are many ways a client will present the money conversation to you if you uh, give the space to happen, and depending on the scale and scope of the job. Many will just tell you a number immediately. I have this much. In those cases, always ask for more. Please, that's like a golden rule. Ask for more money. You might only get like $100 more or $50 more. I, I think I've got like, I think I've definitely only gotten like 50 bucks more in, in certain cases. But you know what? 
I will take $50 more. Thank you very much. I appreciate the consideration. Thank you. But anyway, for all the other opportunities that aren't that quick and easy, remove the emotion from it. So what do I mean by that? The emotional way to see the money conversation is, I deserve to be paid for the art I invested my talent and my heart into to create for you, to solve this beautiful problem with these impassioned pictures. Remove that. Look at it like this. This product costs this much money. I know it's really dry, but that will help you get to the end result. So familiarize yourself with price ranges and industry standards. That's important. Combine that with what the client is asking. And then because the, the more confident you are in what you're asking for, the easier it will be to ask for it. Remember, though, not every client is an opportunity. And it, whether you take a job is 100% a personal decision. Try to decipher the difference between a small budget or being completely taken advantage of. And if you ever in doubt, I guess I was kind of saying this earlier, but I'm gonna, let me repeat it here. Just say, hi, I'm really looking forward to having this conversation with you. I'm glad we're talking. But before I waste your time, what budget are we talking about? It's that easy. It should be clear now that having great artistic skill is not the only piece of the puzzle. Making a plan and knowing what to do is equally and honestly probably more important. As an artist, as a business person, the way to keep up this, this, with the speed of the changing world, which is changing fast these days, is to really to stay, keep your eye on the community, if not participate, commit to constant improvement, and know that like what your art and your career looks like today is probably going to be a lot different, <clears throat> excuse me, in five years, 10 years, all those markers, right? We've discussed a lot of ways to try and prevent your work from being rejected, but now is the time to remind you that setbacks and rejection are 100% inevitable. Part of having an art career is going to be your ability to cope with having your works be rejected and learning to not take it personally. There'll be moments where you second guess everything. That's okay. You know, just acknowledge it, step outside from it, and remind yourself of your goals and revisit your plan. That should help you get back on track. In this business environment, you'll have to walk the fine line between thinking big and having manageable expectations. Having huge expectations without a, any kind of gradual plan in place can make you feel like you're being rejected, even when you're not, even when you're doing really well. And, and this is by no means, you know, business 1.0, business scope from start to finish. It's highlights from my time teaching business to students, to talking about it with friends, to studying it myself, uh, that I thought could be helpful, or I hoped, hope can be helpful. So take this for what it is now, I guess, and we will continue to cover more stuff in, you know, next year as we keep up with the podcast. Um, so, so I'll leave you with this, though. You know, again, it's being my 10-year anniversary as an illustrator. I put together this list of 10 things that I've learned slowly, I'd say, over, over the time. Number one, stop, pause, and reread. Take a deep breath. And now you can respond to that email. Uh, number two, ask for more money. Just always ask for more. Number three, manage your time with 20-minute timers. And if that doesn't ring a bell to anybody, Google the 20-minute timer rule, something like that, and it'll come up. And you'll there's a whole theory behind it. It works. Number four, take care of your health. Find, find your limits. 
but take care of your health. Don't let anybody tell you the only way to do this is to struggle. Number five, your, your first idea can be your best idea. Six, in cases of personal work, just make whatever you want and then apply a concept to it that your audience can quote-unquote understand later. Number seven, you can always draw hands better, so keep practicing that. Number eight, study business from people who aren't artists, which is a bit of a contradiction because I'm an artist, and if you got this far, you're listening to this. Number nine, forgive yourself. Be kind. It takes time to be able to recognize mistakes in your work and also in your business practice. It's okay. And last, number 10, just keep promoting as you grow as an artist because the changes that you're going through and development of your art, art directors aren't going to notice anyway. I mean, they're going to notice that it's good, but they're not going to think to themselves, oh, Jonathan was, uh, he drew faces a little different the last time he sent me a promo. And if they notice, it's not going to matter. So just keep promoting through all your changes. And then, you know, number 11 is a bonus here. Tell your own story, but be sensitive to others' experience because you will inevitably, as an illustrator, be asked to problem-solve for, for something you did not go through or experience yourself, and that's okay. But approach it with sensitivity. Learn about others with an open mind and avoid... No, and don't be lazy and lean on stereotypes. All right, that's what I've got. Again, thanks for listening. I hope everyone, you know, depending on when you listen to this, it was recorded just, just, it's recorded right before the end of 2017. So I hope you guys all take it easy. Enjoy your holidays, whatever it may be, or just the option to have a break. And then uh, apply, this, apply this stuff to, your, to your, your plans for 2018, and let's all go out there and just absolutely crush it. Good luck reach out to us with questions. We will see you soon.